Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth with my good friend Tom Dorian. Tom, how are you doing? I'm full. You're full? I'm full. I ate too many cookies. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have cookies here today. I'm That's awesome. You, those are killer. You know what? One of the reasons we bring our head chef here at the Catholic Cafe, Father you, Ben Bradshaw. You said it was the only reason. No, no, no. I said one reason. Oh. Because he's always, he always brings food with him. I know. And I so know. we've invited him again today because we're hungry, I guess. I'm telling you, he is, he is great. <laughs> but he also brings with him spiritual food, and that's nice, too. It's more important. So today we're going to discuss Mary's role in the church. Yes, we are. You know, I was recently on an airplane ride coming Uh back from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talked about this before in another show, Mm -hmm. and uh, Missionary Baptist was sitting next to me. I was in my collar, so he instantly knew I was something to do with the Catholic Church. And so we talked a little bit, and the first first question he asked, he said, what is the deal with Mary? Yep, I can imagine. That's the first thing that typically comes to people who don't understand what the Catholic Church teaches about Mary, right. typically what they'll start right off the bat with is Mary. Now, it may launch into all kinds of other discussions, but right. Mary is usually the first place we begin yep. those kind of discussions. So we thought it would be a good idea to invite our head chef, get him to leave the kitchen <laughs> counter for just a moment, a good and, and bring some cookies to the table. <laughs> Always, yes. Father Ben Bradshaw, welcome to the luxurious corner booth. <laughs> oh, thank you. You guys are easy to please. <laughs> That's right. You know, oatmeal, raisin cookies, whatever it takes. The little things in life that matter. That's right. Well, so my friend, uh, missionary Baptist friend that I talked to, started right off by saying, well, what's the deal with Mary? And I know that's a very vague question. Hmm. And as we drilled down just a little bit, the first place he went was, you know, even Mary herself said that she needed a Savior. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is from Luke. And so... He wanted to know what we taught about Mary. So let's start at the very beginning mm. with Mary. What, what What is the deal with Mary and the Catholic Church? Mm. Yeah, it's very beautiful, the teachings, because um, Mary, we believe, is, of course, the mother of God. And um, this is one of the, the first of the four Marian dogmas we call in the Catholic Church, that she is the mother of God. And this goes all the way back to uh, the Council of Ephesus, you know, and, and uh, 431, and, and uh, that Mary's the mother of God. This is a big, big debate going on at the time, you know. And, um, and so we call her the Theotokos is the Greek term, and that she's the mother of God. So we have what we call the Marian syllogism, which says Jesus Christ is God. Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Mary is the mother of God, right? And so uh, it's very, very beautiful because we also believe not only is she the mother of, of Jesus Christ, the mother of God, that she's also our spiritual mom, you know? I mean, who, who, which, which one of us did not run to their mom, you know, when, when we have problems growing up? And, and how many times in our lives do we go to our, our spiritual mom and say, look, this is tough. I'm in a tough situation, you know, I need your help. Um, I can think of thousands of times in my own life that I went to my spiritual mom saying, look, this is tough. I need your help, you know, and, and at the foot of the cross, here is Jesus. And the very last thing he says, almost, he says, um, John, behold your mother, right? Behold your son. And we believe that John there represents all of humanity, mm-hmm. right? If, uh, if there were, if Jesus had had other brothers or sisters, right? He would have, he would have, uh, given her, 
to those other brothers and That's sisters. That's Jewish tradition they, right. that, that Jesus would have given his mother to the care of his it brothers. It would have been automatic. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so John represents all of humanity, right? And Mary understood this as well. And, and so Mary is the mother of God. And, um, and sometimes people, of course, think that we adore Mary. We do not adore Mary. But we do go to her. And we believe that she's kind of like the quarterback, <laughs> that she takes the ball and she hands it on, right? That she, she what we call intercedes for us. And we see this intercessory prayer replete in scriptures. We see um, Job, God telling Job, pray on behalf of your friends that told you to, to curse me. And then we also see Moses, right? When he's praying, when Joshua's fighting and they hold up his hand, his hands and every time his hands go down right joshua loses the battle so they eventually put two rocks there right so that he could all hold up his hands and so moses is praying on behalf of the people fighting right this is intercessory prayer even in the in the new testament we see intercessory prayer replete Mm. in the new testament saint paul is constantly asking everyone to pray for him as he prays for them very beautiful very beautiful so this is the role of the blessed mother and that she is always interceding for us on our behalf. And, um, and, and I would just add, all, for all of humanity, okay, Mary is not just for Catholics, all right? Um, we is obviously that, that, that she is the mother of, of the church, but she is also here for all of humanity. I mean, this is, this is not just, quote-unquote, a Catholic thing. Well, one of the basic things that Mary did for all of us by her fiat, by her saying yes to God and saying, yes, I will bear your son when she did that that was for all humanity Mm -hmm. jesus came to save everyone Mm -hmm. right right. and so when she said yes she was doing that not just for the future catholic church Mm. but for all right that's right absolutely and and it's very interesting because people it it, a lot of times when i go visit people in the hospital whether they're catholic or non-catholic i will try and leave them a rosary and many times even non-catholics will want one and because there's something there that they associate with the connection with God. Now, maybe they may not understand it. They may not know how to pray it, right? But there's something there and that, that it's almost like a guttural, instinctual realization that we need a spiritual mom. You know, and that's, of course, what the rosary is, rosario. It's, 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 a, it's a spiritual bouquet of flowers for our Blessed Mother. In fact, I, I mentioned earlier from Luke uh, what's called the Magnificat. The, the first lines of that where Mary says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the mm-hmm. Lord. Another translation that I like a lot better is my soul magnifies the mm-hmm. Lord. And one of the images that I've always had and one of the images that helps us understand Mary's role in the church is if you look at the word magnify, what does that do? Think of a magnifying glass. It brings mm-hmm. it closer. And so if Mary's soul magnifies the Lord, she leads us to Jesus. She helps us see Jesus better as through a magnifying glass. So she's taking us where we need to be. Absolutely. And there's, you know, she retains nothing for herself. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm giving talks to youth groups and they say, Father, explain to me Mary's role. I say, look, and I, and I, I wear glasses. So if I take my glasses off and I say, look, I see you now, but you're very blurry. <laughs> but, and so I can see you. Right, but then I put my glasses on. I say, "Okay, there you are. Now I can see you clearly." That's what the Blessed Mother does for us. Okay, the, she clarifies the Lord. John Paul II, in his very last encyclical of the fourteen that he wrote, is called Ecclesia de Eucharistia, the, the the Eucharist of the Church. He calls Mary the quote Eucharistic key. He says, "If we want to understand the Blessed Sacrament, we must go to His Mother." 
and he specifically s cites the Magnificat as the Eucharistic key. And so and she brings us to Jesus, and people say, well, that sounds nice, Father, but I don't really understand that. This is exactly the role of a mother that in, in the family that, that really, you know, that we can say that, as St. Paul said, that the father may be the head of the family, but I can tell you, when the rubber meets the road, it's the, the faith of the mom that's <laughs> yeah. usually guiding the family here. And m many times children instinctually understand this. Yeah, I think most of our listeners have had mothers. <laughs> yeah. So I think most of them would understand that. Another great image that, I, that I've seen in all of my studies and, and looking at some of the beautiful uh, art, the traditional artwork of the church, and many times the portraits of Mary, these portraits that go way back, Mary is often portrayed standing on a sliver of moon. Mm -hmm. They were always painting in imagery into these portraits to sort of tell, theologically tell a story. And if you think about it, Mary staying on the moon is really to say that she's reflecting the sun. The moon reflects the sun. It gets all of its light from the sun. Mm -hmm. And so essentially Mary gets all of her light from the sun. So mm -hmm. when people talk about uh, us worshiping Mary, no, we're not worshiping Mary. Mary, again, is leading us to mm -hmm. Jesus. Her, all of her magnificence, all of her glory comes from the glory of the sun. Absolutely. It's just reflected in her so that we, again, can see it better. And that's a great point, too. Because, you know, when we get that as well, in Revelation chapter 12, it said there's the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, right? right? And it would, looking very much like Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? Very beautiful. And so that's very true. It's interesting you mentioned art. In the 14th century, in, in Europe, of course, they had the bubonic plague, right? The Black Plague. This decimated one-third of the population. I mean, can you imagine mm -hmm. one-third of the population of, of this country dying for, for something like this. And some of the most beautiful Marian art and Marian uh, poems and Marian literature and Marian music came out of this period because so many people lost their moms. And so it's very interesting. If you look at some of the art uh, r right after that period, you know, mm -hmm. very Marian, very beautiful, because there's just an instinctual desire to go to your mama, <laughs> to go to your, your spiritual mother. And likewise, a lot of people think, well, why don't you pray straight to Jesus? Why would you have to pray to Mary to Jesus? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think about it, Jesus listens to his mother as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's got one ear on us and one ear on Mary. And so as we got now, we're hitting both ears of Jesus. Yeah. We can pray directly to Jesus and we do. But at the same time, it's Mary. Hey, while you're talking to Jesus, I've got this issue I need help with. <laughs> right. You know? Absolutely. And, and the very last thing that we hear Mary say in Scripture do whatever he tells you. Mm -hmm. Do whatever he tells you. What does he tell us to do? Do this in remembrance of me. Wonderful. Very beautiful. Well, we are going to talk more about Mary when we come back. Uh, before we do that, we want to remind everyone that we have a wonderful website. Father, have you been to our website? I have. I love it. I, in fact, you were just at a talk recently, and, and my wife, who was in attendance, said that you were uh, talking about www.thecatholiccafe.com. Right. I don't know if, if we're are we supposed to pay him money every time he mentions it or something because we should. two Hail Marys. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for such a light penance. Um, and so uh, we invite everyone to go to www.thecatholiccafe.com and you'll find a wonderful wealth of resources. You'll also find all of these shows that we've recorded. Uh, so if you want to know more about the rosaries we've mentioned, we have a great show on the rosary. And we'll have many more shows on Mary coming up, as well as many other doctrines of the Catholic Church. Also, I would like you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. 
I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. They sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria led the Christian forces. On the day of the great battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, but through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Vestra Zimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe. Still here with Father Ben Bradshaw, our head chef at the Catholic Cafe. We've gone through half of the cookies. We still have a few <laughs> left, Tom. Thank, thank you. If you want those cookies, too. I've got my eye on them. I was thinking about having one cookie. But I noticed how you put them <laughs> a little out, out of my reach. I did. I thank wanted you. to save them. I wanted to save them. They're good cookies. I'm here for you, Tom. I can help you. <laughs> thank you. Thank You're you, just going to make him more. You're an enabler. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Father, let's continue our conversation about Mary and uh, the church's teaching on Mary. And I think maybe at this point we ought to spend some time talking about what does the church actually teach about Mary? What is it that the church says is true about Mary and that asks all Catholics to believe is true about Mary? There's some dogmas you'd mentioned. Right. In 431, we had the Council of Ephesus that addressed uh, Archbishop Nestorius, who said that... um, that Mary was not the mother of God, 
And, uh, of course, the council said, no, Mary is the mother of God, okay? And um, this is also a very Christological statement, right, that, that Mary is the mother of God, okay? So that was the first of the Marian dogmas. Um, after that, um, then uh, we also have, in a- 1854, we have uh, Blessed Pius the Ninth, the man who called the first Vatican Council, right? Blessed Pius the Ninth and Ineffabilis Deus said that Mary is the immaculate conception, that she was immaculately conceived, right? That Mary, not Jesus, Jesus is the virgin birth, right? That he, I had someone come to me in, in a crystal, I'm embarrassed to say, uh, and uh, he saw, again, I was wearing my clerics, and he came up to me and he said, uh, oh, you're a Catholic, aren't you? He said, yes. He goes, why is it that you guys worship the birthday of Mary? <laughs> that was his phraseology. Now, I, and, and I think yeah. that maybe he had heard a couple of different sermons and maybe got them crisscrossed yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But essentially what I got down to was they were wondering about the Immaculate Conception and what that actually meant. Right. It means that Mary was conceived without sin. She never experienced corruption of her soul, okay, by sin, nor her body. Okay, and so of course you can imagine this has led to min- lots and lots and lots of discussion over the centuries. You know, did Mary experience labor pains? Did she experience corruption of her body? All these things, you know, we've been discussing back and forth for many hundreds of years. You know, and of course, you know, if you look at the Pietà, you know, that Michelangelo carved, she's a very young woman. You know, it looks like she's in her twenties, and so um, and of course she didn't suffer any corruption. Right, she was. Uh, she freely accepted um, suffering. It was her choice. And she said, uh, she said, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum in Latin. Let it be done unto me according to thy word, right, when Gabriel came to her. And so that's the second dogma that she's the Immaculate Conception. The guy on the airplane, the missionary Baptist, was talking to me when he talked about why did Mary say that she needed a Savior. We need to talk about that just for a second because if she was without sin, she would need to be saved. Right. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she said she needed a savior to his mind said, well, then she admits that she's a sinner because Romans tells us for all of sin and fall short of the glory Mm -hmm. of God. So how do you reconcile those 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 statements? Yeah. Blessed John Dunn Scotus, uh, amazing man, amazing man, wrote a lot about this in particular, that one issue. And Mary understood she freely accepted. um, She freely entered into suffering okay she freely entered into uh the fact that her son was her redeemer and that jesus himself okay the word made flesh as we hear in the the very beginning the prologue of john's gospel accepted suffering and she understood that her son uh this god man would become her savior and so mary understood that that her son would be uh would in fact be the one to redeem the world as well. well. I love the way that Stephen Ray in his Footprints uh, video series talks about it, and he explained it in a way that made perfect sense to me, and that is if, if, you're, if you're in a hole filled with mud and you're walking along, you fall in that hole, right? Someone who pulls you out is your Savior. They saved you from that mud, and we'll call the mud sin, right? Well, if Mary is walking towards that hole, if she were, and that same person were to prevent her from falling into that hole, again, that person would be her savior, mm-hmm. would have saved her from sin or preserved her from the stain of sin. So in that sense, there is a mm-hmm. savior still 
God is preserving her from sin. Absolutely, and she is the high point of God's creation. We, we, we often refer to Mary as God's masterpiece. We are the high point of the created world, but Mary is, is legions beyond us, that she is, uh, she is uh, so close to God because she's, she's completely without sin. And, and this kind of leads us to the, the third of the Marian dogmas, the Assumption. In November 1st, 1950, Pope Pius XII said that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. It does not say she died. It says that at the end of her earthly life that she was assumed. So as Catholics were free to believe that she either died and, or that she fell asleep, as they believe in the Orthodox Church. They have the Church of the Great Dormition in Jerusalem, right? And then, of course, we also have the perpetual virginity of Mary, which is an ongoing teaching of Mary all throughout the ages. And this was not proclaimed by a solemn statement. It was, it was the ongoing tradition of the, the Church that Mary was uh, perpetually virg- virginal before, during, and after of course, as, as we hear in, in Isaiah the prophet, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You, you're mentioning this is something that's been taught by the church since the very beginning, I think. And, and we, like here's St. Augustine of Hippo, uh, somewhere around 400 A.D., and he said, A virgin conceiving, a virgin bearing, a virgin pregnant, a virgin bringing forth, a virgin perpetual. <laughs> so this understanding was, was far from cloudy mm-hmm. uh, back then. Here's another great quote, by the way, I love to add in is, Christ was the only son of Mary, and the virgin bore no more children besides him. I am inclined to agree with those who declare brothers really means cousins here, and holy writ, and the Jews have always called cousins brothers. This, of course, referring to Jesus having brothers and sisters in Scripture. And, of course, that quote comes to us from Martin Luther uh, in his sermons on the Gospel of uh, uh, John. And I think this is an interesting point where I think even Protestants of today who, who have questioned the Catholic Church's teachings on Mary would be surprised to find just how Marian some of the reformers were. And especially Martin Luther. Uh, absolutely. There's many times, even in Catholic circles, there is a sense of uh, we cannot discuss uh, the Blessed Mother with our Protestant bro- brothers and sisters because it's too contentious. That is not my experience. My experience is, is in fact, the opposite, is that they want to know. And uh, quite often we don't know it well enough to explain it. Um, and John Paul II, in his everywhere he would go, he would always meet with the religious leaders, and he says, you know, we don't tiptoe around our, our differences. We talk about uh, the truth, and then from there, with the point of truth as a point of departure. And so, and especially with this, that's very true. Well, I think in all ways we should be honest with ourselves. Uh, and we should do our best to find out what it is that what the, that the church teaches, because you want to you want to wave the banner proudly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, what is it you stand for? What is it you believe in? If you don't know yourself, then obviously uh, you're not doing what you're called mm-hmm. to do as an evangelist. There's an expression that says, "If you don't know where you're going, any path will take you there." <laughs> and so it, it's very true. We have to we have to know where we're going, but we also have to know where we came from. This is one of the things that Pope Benedict is always emphasizing, is that we always have to be grounded in the traditions of the faith, and especially the teachings of the councils, the apostolic fathers, the teachings of the popes. Um, This is all part of our tradition. St. Paul said, I pass on to you what I myself have received. And this is what we're doing, especially with the Blessed Mother. Now, I do know, though, that there are many, many people, especially Catholics, who are thinking that some of these are less important than others, that of these dogmas, 
you know, it's not important that I worry so much about whether or not Mary had other children besides Jesus. That's not going to hinder my relationship with Jesus and his purpose or means of his salvation uh, of all mankind. I don't think that's going to get in the way of that. Now, what do you say to that? There are things that we must believe in order to be Catholic. When we go up to receive Holy Communion and we say, Amen, we are saying with our words that we believe everything that the Catholic Church holds true. It doesn't mean we understand it. Um, it doesn't mean that we, we may not even like it, some things. But ultimately, we believe that God is speaking through the Roman pontiff in union with the bishops and that God guides them uh, free from error. Um, does it mean that every time the Pope speaks on something we, and every time he speaks on soccer or accounting <laughs> or whatever, that, that he's fr- pre- preserved free from error? No. When he speaks on two things, faith and morals, faith and morals, he is preserved free from error, especially when he speaks in union with the bishops. Jesus told the apostles, when they hear you, they hear me. When they hear me, they hear the one who sent me. And so, and he said, I will be with you always until the end of the age. And again, giving Jesus told St. Peter, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? And so, especially with this teaching, we have to believe the, these, these dogmas. This is not open for discussion, as they say. Well, and these words are very serious words. Mm-hmm. Um, in this day and age, we... We so avoid being serious. Mm-hmm. We want to include everyone. We want to get along. We want to go along. And unfortunately, sometimes we start to peel back that which defines us. Right. And the more you peel back, the more you become sort of lukewarm and don't have a clear vision of what the truth is. And, and Jesus Christ is the truth. I would argue as well we, we surrender our integrity. Pope Benedict recently published an encyclical called Caritas in Veritati. All right, truth and charity, that we give the truth and charity. We don't hit people over the head with it. And obviously we have to live it. They have to see it in our lives because we can have 15 doctorate degrees but, you know, not be living it. And we say, well, what does this guy know? Right. You know I mean, look at his life, you know. But um, someone like Mother Teresa who, who didn't have advanced degrees but lived this, well, then they see their life and they want to know more. They say, well, whatever she's got, that's what I want. You know, she's close to God, right? And so this is what we're called to be in our day-to-day lives and the struggles. And the Blessed Mother, she guides us. She helps us in our day-to-day struggles to become kind of a, a, a Mother Teresa in our own family. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Tom, we got to rate this show. Good stuff. You know, I'd say on a scale of zero, four, I'd give it a four. A four? That's 100%. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's great. You just want more cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you allowed Mary the highest honor of carrying your Son, Jesus Christ, in her womb, so that he might be born into the world in order to save the world from sinfulness. Help us to offer Mary the highest honor among Christians, and willingly follow her as she leads us to her Son, Jesus. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Holy Rosary, pray Pray for for us. us. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.